invite you now, if you can, let's kneel together. I know some of you can't kneel, and that's fine. Um, I'm going to kneel, and let's have a word of prayer here together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come together on this most holy Sabbath day and praise your name. We praise you for creating a day. It's a remarkable when we think about it, that uh, some being that is so powerful uh, would create a day to spend with their creature. And you made the Sabbath day to spend time with us. And we thank you for that, for we do need to spend time with you. And we gain such a blessing, and we praise your name for that. We thank you for Jesus, uh, who came. It wasn't an easy decision. He came and showed us all, all humanity, how to live according to your will. And then he took our sins, the penalty for our sins, upon himself and died on the cross. The worst way you could die at that time. So that we may have life. And so, Father, we praise your name for Jesus. We praise your name for the Holy Spirit who helps to guide us and to show us things about ourselves that, that need to be uh, changed, that need to be brought into your will and, and that will make us healthier and happier. And so we praise you, Father, this day. We thank you so much for being with your people, with each one of us, and sending angels to minister to us and protect us, keep our family members safe, many who don't even know you. But because you love them and you love us, uh, you hear our prayers. And Father, we have many prayers. We have many people that we pray for. Um, and you listen to all of them. Even the, what may be the smallest thing you're concerned about. Jerry's going to be moving here pretty soon. And things have to be lined up and ready. And, and we pray that things will go smoothly for her. So she has too much stress in her life. And, and that really shakes up one's life. And, uh, Father, we, we pray for uh, our friend on Pal Talk, her great-niece, Audrey, four years old. They found that she, she has leukemia. What a heart, what a heartbreak. We pray, though, Father, for her and lift her up before you, that you will be near to her and her family, be with the doctors, and, and uh, may they know you. And uh, may you uh, produce a miracle in her life. Rollins' mother... Betty, she's going to turn 94 this month. It's remarkable that you've been with her so long, uh, Father, and you bless, have blessed her, and will continue to do so. We, we lift her up, Father, that she may have uh, peace of heart and good health until it's time for her to rest until Jesus returns. Springleaf, we, we know this dear friend. Her sister, Wendy, is having surgery this coming week, and she doesn't know you, at least like we know you. And so we pray that you'll be very near to her, Father, and, and be with the doctors and the surgeons and nurses, that the operation will go well, but she, that she will hear that small voice and hear you speaking and come to know you. May Monica be a, a witness to her of your love and care. And Father, you know that the devil wants to destroy families and he's working on... Um, Deb's sister's family and has been for a good while. And we pray that you will be very near to them and send angels and remove the forces of evil and, and work on their hearts that they may return to thee. And Father, I pray that you give me the words to speak today. 
that they may be your words, not mine, uh, that hearts will be touched, Their lives may be contemplated and decision made to follow Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we have an avenue that we can talk to thee in this prayer. We thank you for hearing it and answering it according to thy will. Because we ask it in Jesus' name, and he's worthy. Amen. I've entitled this, this particular message, A Soldier for Christ. A Soldier for Christ. In our previous study, uh, studies of God's Word, we've learned who and what the church is, so uh, we won't be deceived. And when I say deceived, I mean that we won't believe we're in the church of Christ when we're actually in the church of Antichrist. That's deception, isn't it? To think you're in the right place and actually you're in the wrong place. We've studied what the Bible says about gospel order or organization and uh, uh, learned that it starts at home. It starts with the individual Um, and then the family circle and then it ripples out to the local church and onward to the world. And I hope these studies have been a blessing to you as they have been to me. Every time you open God's Word, you're going to gain a blessing if you go to it with the right spirit. I guarantee you. Now I have a question for you to consider. Maybe you've, you've thought of this before. I'm not sure. But why have we spent so much time on this subject of the church and organization? Why is organization so important? Well, that's true. I mean, what is its ultimate purpose and goal? Be organized. What is the importance and the purpose of organization? Well, I want to share something with you. The prophet really sums it up in a very good way. It's found in Acts of the Apostles, page 9, right at the very beginning, very first chapter. Um, The purpose of the church. She says, The church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. God could have had angels do it, couldn't He? He actually could have created a whole different being and had them do it. But that wasn't in God's plan, was it? It's really a blessing for us to do it, isn't it? The church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. Notice what she says here. It was organized for service. And its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. So you see, beloved, we each have a purpose in God's family, don't we? It's really good to have a purpose, isn't it? You know what happens to to someone who doesn't have a purpose for their life? Usually, they become very discouraged. Then they get despondent and then they don't care and they end their life. But God gave us a purpose. God gave His church a purpose, and this is why it's been organized. So, the purpose is to carry the gospel to the world. That's why we have organization. 
Now, how do we do that? Well, that's the, the question to answer. How do we fulfill our mission? Well, I'm going to begin a series of studies here that will answer that question. And I hope in this message that it will be an encouragement for you. Because I'm going to share with you what it means for me to be a soldier for Christ. And I have a hope that it will educate and inspire you to join the cause and fulfill the mission in carrying the gospel to the world. So let's begin. I'm going to begin in the Song of Solomon. If you want to open your Bible to the book, Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 10. Now I do have notes. Did they get with the bulletin? Here, I think I have. No, I had it somewhere. I don't know, I brought copies. You can pick, pick them up. So in case you miss writing down a note or a scripture or something, you, you can have those. Okay. But Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 10. He asks a question here. It says, Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. Who is this speaking about? Let me ask you this question. Does God have an army? The Bible makes it very clear that God does have an army, doesn't He? And who makes up that army? Another important uh, reason to understand who and what the church is. Because the church is every created being that follows the Creator. But currently here on this earth, we talk a lot of times in church on a local level, don't we? And so the Lord has an army, and His army is organized. His army is worldwide. His army is active. And you know something else? Very soon, I believe very, very soon, His army is going to triumph. His army is going to to triumph. Now let me ask you this question. Do you want to be with that army when it does triumph? We're told in inspiration about that triumph. It's from the book. It's a compilation, Last Day Events. And I encourage you when you have compilations to, if you can, look up the original so you get the right context. But the context here is that the army, in this quote, the context is that the army of God is going to triumph. It's Last Day Events, page 251. The prophet counsels us, says, we need to study the pouring out of the seventh vial. That's Revelation chapter 16. The powers of evil will not yield up the conflict without a struggle. But Providence, capital P there, but Providence has a part to act in the battle of Armageddon. When the earth is lighted with the glory of the angel of Revelation 18, and that, friends, is a repeat of the second angel's message, Babylon has fallen. The religious elements, good and evil, will awake from slumber, and the armies of the living God will take the field. Now let me tell you something else. 
so that you, you won't be deceived. Up until this time that she's talking about, the seventh vial is poured out. Up until this time, it's going to look like the devil has won the great controversy. In fact, it's going to look so strongly that he has won that many will lose their faith and join his side. That will be the temptation. There are going to be powerful miracles manifested. And all that's going to be left is this little remnant of people that don't amount to nothing. Yet they're God's army. It's going to look like God's cause has been defeated, but it's not going to happen. God's promises in the Bible tell us that His cause will be victorious. His army will have victory. Now, I've chosen to be a soldier in the Lord's army, and I want you to be a soldier for Christ too. And what I'm, what I'm going to share basically is, is my feelings, my convictions. And by God's grace, it, I hope it doesn't sound boastful in any way, because it isn't. Anything that I do is by the grace of God. So I hope you don't take it as boasting, or that's not where uh, what what is meant. That's not where it comes from. But I'm a soldier in the Lord's army, and I want you to hear from me what it's like to be a soldier in the Lord's army. I'm going to give you some examples. The Apostle Paul was a soldier in this army. Did you know that? He says in Romans chapter one. Beginning with verse 14, he said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was a soldier in God's army. He belonged to the fellowship of the unashamed. What do soldiers do? They follow orders, don't they? You know, they follow soldiers even if it would mean their death. Well, think about that. Paul was a soldier. He said he's a debtor. And he's not ashamed. Because it's the power of God. It's salvation. He was not ashamed. And I'm not ashamed of that for which I stand. I'm a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. Is there a reason to be ashamed of it? I'm not timid about it. I think those of you who know me, I'm not timid about it. I've chosen to cast the net on the right side of the ship. I've chosen to step over the line onto the side of faith. I've chosen to make my decision for Jesus Christ and to be baptized and become a member of His army. That's what I've chosen. So you know what that means. That means now 
I am a man that's under authority. It's not all about me. I'm a disciple. The Lord Jesus, who is my general and He's my chief, He's called me. However, I'm also in subjection not only to His Word, but I'm also in subjection to His people. (laughs) Those people who love the Lord and keep His commandments. And I receive marching orders and battle orders from the Word of God. I don't have any confidence in my flesh or in anything that I can do. Because any of my righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. My confidence is in Him. And my general chief has appointed me certain weapons of warfare of which I'm to use daily against the enemy of souls in the furtherance of the gospel. That's my marching orders. I have a defensive weapon which all the powers of hell cannot conquer because the shield of faith will quench every weapon that the devil aims at me. That's what God tells me. I've experienced that. That is what the Scripture says, so I know it's true. I have something to wear. I have battle gear that I'm to put on as protection in the daily conflict against the evil one. It's not smart to go into battle without your armor. I also remind you that the armor that the Lord has provided only covers the front. It doesn't cover our backside because His army advances. It doesn't retreat. When I make a request to headquarters, I receive power that can conquer all the powers of the devil. I also have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that cuts asunder error. It exposes the truth. And the Holy Spirit is my teacher. And I've learned that whatever state I am in, to be content. Because you see, I'm following orders. God has put me in whatever position it may be for His purpose. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Isn't that interesting? Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You see, as a soldier, I'm to be baptized with fire. I need to expect that. There's a purpose for it. My general is testing me by trials. He's testing me by adversity. He's testing me by the fires of affliction. 
And this is all part of my life as a soldier of the cross. It shouldn't come to a big surprise to me as a soldier to go through trials. By the grace of God, I will not look back. Jesus said in Luke 9 and verse 62, He said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The shaking, we're told, is caused by the, wind, the, the testimony of the true witness. And we're told that that is a settling in of the truth. There are truths that each of us in our walk with Jesus have settled. Isn't that right? Is the Sabbath settled for you? Amen. You know, there are truths that are settled. I can discuss what the Bible says about the Sabbath with lots of people. There is nothing that they can share with me that can change that because that's the Word of God. That's settled. I remember my oldest son Joshua before he was married. He was courting Kayla. Kayla's Christian family, they worship on Sunday. And Kayla and Josh evidently made a deal. Kayla came and worshipped with us one Sabbath. Well, Josh's deal was that he would go with her one Sunday. I said, that ought to be interesting. Yeah. And so after he did that and we were talking, he said, Dad, he said it was just the, the strangest feeling I've ever experienced. He said it just wasn't right. I felt totally uncomfortable the entire time. Because it wasn't the Sabbath. It's not the Lord's day. <laughs> when you're settled into the truth, you're going to have that experience if you vary from it. And really, you're not going to vary from it, are you? Because it's settled. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How can we go back? Remember Jesus looked at the disciples one time and He said, Are you going to leave me too? Peter said, Where are we going to go? You're the one that has truth. <laughs> it's settled. See? How can we look back? Neither will I let up because my generals told me to forget the past. Ain't nothing I can do about it. But I can change today, can I? I can make a choice today to follow Jesus and to do the right thing by His grace. God has told us to forget the past. I'm depressed toward the mark, so I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to slow down because my general has given me strict instructions that in the days in which I'm living, I'm to step fast and redeem the time because you know the days are evil. And they're getting worse all the time. I mean, I'm, I think 
virtually every day, I see things and I go, that's unbelievable. Is this the world I'm living in? I'm not going to back away because my general has told me to go forward. I'm not going to quit because my general's told me that I should preach from the housetop what he's given me so all men will hear. They need to be warned. I was not drafted. I'm a volunteer in this army. I have voluntarily enlisted and I have enlisted for eternity. I'm a lifer. (laughs) And by the grace of God, I will never retire. I'll never be absent without leave. I will never fail to show up for duty when my general calls. My general, Jesus Christ, is to me the chiefest of 10,000. He is to me the Rose of Sharon. The one who is altogether lovely. He's the lover of my soul. (laughs) He's my life and my salvation. He's my Lord and my brother. He's the bright morning star from Bethlehem. He's my shepherd. He is the Almighty, the Prince of Peace in whom I live and move and have my being. Because He's everything to me, my constant prayer is that the great deceptive adversary will never be able to deceive me into choosing another master. I'm confident that my general will answer my plea. I'm confident that by His grace I will never be court-martialed out of His army. By His grace, I will never be persuaded to sell out like the prodigal son or the rich young ruler or Demas. Because my complete confidence is in His grace and in His power. And I can trust that nobody will ever be able to talk me out or push me out of the Lord's army. What about you? Amen? I'm not proud of my past. But you know something? My past has been redeemed. And it is forever in the past. That's why I'm finished and done with low living, with walking by sight, with smooth knees. Deb and I kind of talked about that on the way up here. said, I have calluses on my knees. How do you get calluses? Yeah, you're on your knees. I'm finished with smooth knees, with colorless dreams and tame visions and worldly talking and cheap giving and dwarfed goals. My past is redeemed, but my present makes sense. In the present, I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm walking by faith. I'm making straight paths for my feet. I have a vision about eternal victory. 
about a victorious final battle when during Armageddon the army of the living God will take the field, as we read. And since I'm one of the soldiers, I'll get to participate in that victory. That final and everlasting triumph. I have a vision of a completed plan of redemption when the warfare will finally be over. But for now my conversation and my meditation is in heaven. From whence I receive orders for the battle. I have given my heart and I'm willing to give my life. Everything I have is for the cause of my general, Jesus Christ, the righteous God. You see, it's all or nothing. (laughs) My goal, personally, my goal is to be perfect. A perfect reflection of the character of my chief commanding officer. My goal is to glorify and magnify His name and to finish His work. As our scripture reading said in Timothy, 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So friends, no one entering the army entangles himself with the affairs of this life because he wants to please the one that he enlisted for. So as a soldier... I've accepted this scripture in my life. These are the orders for my life. Because I've accepted these orders by faith in Jesus my Lord. He can depend on me to be faithful. To be reliable in service. As I pray and trust that He will answer my prayers, He will make me capable by His grace to do everything that He has told me to do. Nothing is of myself. And He doesn't give orders without the power to carry them out. He can trust me to be dependable because I'm commanded in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 where it says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If He needs me to preach to the Gentiles, teach the Sabbath school class to children, or to work with youth, or to teach or help with adults, or if all I can do is just sit and listen and learn, He can depend on me because I'll be there. I am there. I'm present whenever the army of the Lord is called to study, or for prayer, or for worship, or for special convocations, or for meetings, or for duty in the field. I'm present and accounted for. I don't say, I don't feel like it. I was on 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. I can be depended on to visit and assist wounded soldiers and I'll never tear up the wounded. But I will always make attempts to bind up and heal those that are wounded and discouraged. My general can depend on me never to cause division 
or fragmentation in the army, but to always work to, for perfect unity and harmony. So very soon that we can be brought to victory, friends. Because we can hasten that victory. My general can depend on me at all times to be loyal to his work and to seek to bring the entire army into subjection and obedience to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. My general can depend on me to never use the enemy's tactics or methods of unrighteousness. Remember, I'm not boasting here. This is all by God's grace. I will not use the enemy's tactics. Therefore, I have forsaken all the practices of the enemy, such as evil thinking, evil surmising about other soldiers. That's a big one today, isn't it? Evil speech, tail-bearing, gossip, all the divisive and quarrelsome behavior, all the doubtful, vain, flattering, worldly speech. Did you read about in 2 Timothy chapter 2? I'm commanded to endure hardness as a good soldier. I do not need to be pampered or petted or primed or picked up or pepped up because I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp, nor am I a baby. No one has to call me or remind me to go to church or write me or visit me or entice me or lure me. I'm a soldier. I've already enlisted. I'm committed. I'm determined by the grace of God to always be in my place, honoring and praising my King, having deliberately chosen to be His faithful servant, to be loyal to Him, to live by every word that proceeds out of His mouth, to work to build up His kingdom. No one has to send me flowers or gifts or food or cards. Now those are nice things. Don't get me wrong. And they're appreciated. Very much so. But I'm a soldier. I'm committed to his cause. No one has to give me handouts. Nobody has to cuddle me or cradle me or care for me because I'm a soldier. I'm committed and I'm not ashamed of what I'm committed to. Because I'm committed by the grace of God, I cannot be bought or sold. I'm not a hireling. I was asked to serve. I was called to serve. And I do that the best that I can. By the grace of God, I cannot be compromised or lured away or turned back or delayed. I'm determined, you see, by the grace of God to finish my course, to have a clear conscience that is faithful to duty. Romans chapter 6 talks about the past life of the person who is enlisted to be a soldier. And it says in verse 6, Romans 6 and verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It goes on to say how there was a time when we were slaves to sin, but when we enlist in the army of Jesus Christ, we're set free from that bondage. Don't you want to be free? Dear friends, I'm telling you the truth here. 
I know what it's like to be set free from that bondage. There's nothing in this world as wonderful as having the Lord set you free. Nothing. I think that's what, why I love Him so much. He cared. He cared for me. He wanted me to be happy, to be at peace. But with Him, it's all or nothing. And I haven't regretted it one bit. He says there used to be a time, and you can look in the latter part of that chapter there, when you were slaves to sin, that's Romans 6, when you were slaves to sin and you didn't know anything about righteousness, but now you have been set free from that bondage in which you were held. You see, you've died to self. The old man has been crucified. This is what Paul's telling us. Because my past has been redeemed and I've chosen to die to self, to crucify the old sinful nature and to walk after the Spirit, I do not require that others believe that I'm right. I don't go by what others say. I go by what the Word of God says. I don't have to be first. I don't mind being last. I don't have to be at the top. I don't have to be recognized. I don't have to be guarded or rewarded. You see, I no longer need preeminence. I don't need those things because I have Jesus. I don't need prosperity or position. I don't need promotions or applause or popularity. My face is set. You know where that saying came from? My face is set. You can't turn me one way or the other. My face is set. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. It says, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. So you see, I know that I've set my face like a flint. The Lord's going to help me. That's what it says right there. He's going to help me. So my my face is set like a flint. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I'll not hesitate in the presence of the enemy. I used to tell my kids when I was teaching them to drive, hesitation kills. If you make a decision, you better do it. Whether in season or out of season, my job is to tell men and women what they must do to inherit the gift of eternal life. My step is fast. Because Jesus said, redeem the time. The days are evil. And I, along with the rest of the army, am commanded to take the three angels' messages to every human being on this planet. And I'm pressing towards that mark. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. 
the way that I'm going is narrow and difficult, but that is the way that I've chosen, and I'm happy to be on the narrow road, even though it is difficult and rocky. Because I've forsaken both Egypt and Babylon. And I'm on the narrow way. And the rest of the soldiers along with myself who are on this narrow path are a peculiar, special people. And I'm not boasting, but they are. They're peculiar people. We don't dress like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't eat like the world. We don't drink like the world. We don't go to worldly entertainment. We don't go to the races or to the gambling casinos. I'm a soldier. And I'm pressing up the narrow way with great joy at the privilege of following my master, enjoying his presence all along the way. He's leading the army. He's not calling it in. My way is rough because my generals told me that through much tribulation I'm to enter the kingdom of God. So you know what? I expect rebuke. I expect chastisement and discipline because I'm a soldier. No other person And again, I say this because by the grace of God, not because of any ability that I have, but no other person can hurt my feelings enough to cause me to leave God's army. It's settled, see? It's settled. That's my course. Because of the grace of God, nobody can make me so discouraged as to turn me aside. I cannot have so many troubles or losses that they'll cause me to quit. Because nothing can make me sad when Jesus makes me glad with His presence. (laughs) When He called me into the army, I committed myself to Him forever, for better or worse, and I surely know that He has my best interest at heart. I trust Him with all my heart. He knows it better than I do. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. God's army is going to triumph. My future, you see, is secure. I have no doubts to the future. Peter also describes it in 1 Peter 1, verses 7 to 9. He says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Amen and amen. My future is secure, you see. Because it doesn't depend on what happens to the stock market. It doesn't depend on on real estate prices. To business or political conditions. 
My future is not dependent on the outcome of elections or court rulings or wars or revolutions even. I have no risk of loss at the end. There's nothing like it in the entire world. I have no risk of loss or disappointment at the end because the gain of godliness is sure and certain. You see, Jesus died for me and was raised from the dead. That's my surety. It's sure. It's certain. On a negative note, for right now anyway, my companions are few. In Luke 12, verse 32, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. Little flock. Fear not. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The little flock. So for right now, my, my companions are few, but one time, my general faced a situation where he said, I brought it before, you're all going to leave me. But I'm not alone. You've heard me say that before. When you're standing with God, you're never alone. All heaven is on your side. But right now, my companions are few, but I don't have to worry about that because I'm going to have many friends from all lands and all ages when the battle's over. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, we will know as we are known. We're going to know each other. Why? Because we all know Christ. On a positive note, my guide is reliable. It's written in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Is He your helper? The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. I have no fears of reaching my destination, since my general has never lost a case that has been fully committed to him. My mission is clear. And by the grace of God I will win in the war against sin and evil because it's written. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it to us. And no matter how I'm beset from within or without, He's promised me that I will overcome by His grace. He said in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's written in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which what? strengtheneth me. You know something else? And I hold this promise very dear. 
He promised me that in the battle, in my life, by His grace, love would win. Love is going to be the victor over hate. And Paul says this too, Romans 8, 38. Paul recognized this. He said, for I am persuaded. He's recognized it. He was persuaded by his experience walking and being a soldier of the cross. He was persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you're a soldier in God's army It takes a mighty force to remove you. And the mightiest force that there is is our will. God has given us that as a gift. But if you will to be a soldier, you will never be lost. (laughs) So we have the promise that love will win over hate. So I'm not going to give up till the conflict's over. What about you? Sounding pretty good? And I'm not going to shut up. Although some people want me to shut up at times. Because my master's told me to confess him before men. I'll not let up. But I will press towards the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. By his grace. I plan to stay working and watching and praying. Storing the word of God in my mind. Praying in the love and the Spirit of God and preaching the good news as long as probation lasts and I have breath. Because it is written, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm confident that He will hold secure that which I have committed to Him until that day. I've committed everything. And by the grace of God, I'm determined to finish my mission. I've determined to keep the faith, to fight the good fight while it shall last. The devil and his entire host cannot defeat me. And I'm not boasting. <laughs> because my general has told me in James 4, 7, what Susan? Submit yourselves. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. He's a coward in the presence of our God. People cannot disillusion me because my eye is on Jesus. He's my leader, my commander. My eye is on Him, not on people. That's one of the biggest problems we have in the church. Too many eyes are on people. And not on Jesus. The times we live in cannot disillusion me or discourage me because I follow my leader both in the darkness and in the light. And I can testify to this sickness can't stop me either (laughs) because my leader can heal all sickness. 
And He has promised that when He comes again, all mental and physical problems are going to be gone forever. What a glorious promise that is. We'll never experience them again. No, friends. His army cannot be beaten. He's never lost a battle. He always wins. Money cannot buy me because my general owns everything. The governments of this world cannot silence me and hell itself cannot get control of me. The devil cannot destroy me because the one to whom I'm committed is above all those things. He's promised me that if I die before he comes, he'll give my life back to me again. When he returns, provided I stay a good and faithful soldier in his army. And when He comes again, He's going to promote me to a position in His central government. Though I don't deserve any of it. He's going to bring me back someday to this world to sit on the throne with Him. That's remarkable. But He told me that, and I believe Him. I'm a soldier in the army of Jesus Christ. I'm battling against sin and evil every day. I'm... Claiming victory in Christ every day. And by the grace of God, I will never give up. Never. Where would I go? What would I do? (laughs) By the grace of God, I will not turn back. I'm a soldier battling and marching. Heaven bound. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I must go on as long as I have breath or until He comes. I'll give the fight by the grace of God everything I have. I'll preach until all have heard the good news and I will work while I have my being. We know what's coming in this battle, don't we? I think of Martin Luther. You know? Martin Luther said when he was oppressed by governments and popes and the Antichrist. (laughs) He said, I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the councils because it is clear as the day that they have frequently erred and contradicted each other. Unless therefore I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or by the clearest reasoning, and what he's talking about is reasoning of the Scriptures, unless I am persuaded by means of the passages I have quoted, and unless they thus render my conscience bound by the word of God, I cannot and will not retract. For it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. And he said, here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. Martin Luther was a soldier for Jesus. And not only am I a soldier, I'm a recruiter for the Lord's army. (coughs) If you've been living a life of sin, I want you to realize something. In 1 John 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. That's God speaking. That's not Pastor Joel. I didn't make it up. 
He that committeth sin is of the devil. So if you are living a life of sin, you are in the devil's army. Did you know that? You belong to him. In fact, he's telling the whole universe that you belong to him. Romans 6 verse 23, we know this, don't we? The wages of sin is what? But I want to tell you something. There's hope for you right now. You can change sides in this conflict right now. If you're living a life of sin, you can change. You can desert the devil's army. And I'm here to invite you to change sides if you've been in the devil's army living a life of sin. You could decide today to become a soldier for Christ. Like I decided to do. You could decide to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. You could share in the final victory that's coming very soon to God's army. Now let me tell you. If you decide to join the army of the Lord, you'll have to give up everything. It's no half-hearted decision, is it, Jerry? It's either all or nothing. Luke 14.33 says, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You have to give up everything. And I know what that's like. I went through that struggle. You'll have to go through that struggle. I can't go go through that one with you or for you. And let me just encourage you though, if that is the struggle that you're going through right now, let me tell you something. You will gain much more than what you give up even though you give up everything. I know it sounds strange, but that's the way it really is. Because He has much more to give you than you have to give up. It's amazing really and pretty wonderful. You will gain what the Bible calls a peace that passes any comprehension of the understanding of man. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid to give it all up. Exactly. Jesus was a soldier too. You realize that? He was the head of the army. He is the head of the army. But he fought a battle and he conquered the hosts of hell all by himself. I mean, when he was here in this world, he had trouble all the time on the outside, but he had peace all the time on the inside. And he said, I'm going to give that to you. That same peace as I had, you're going to have. So not only will you have the acceptance, not only will you begin to comprehend the love of Christ, not only will you have the joy and peace which this world can never give to you, people try to find it. They find, try to find it in a bottle or in a pill or in treasure. But they're all empty. But He's going to give you something that they can never take away. But the Bible tells us that we'll even have pleasures. Did you know that? 
when the battle is over, it says in Psalm 1611, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I like that word, forevermore. For all eternity. We're going to experience these things. You're going to have pleasures. In fact, every need that you have, now or in the future, is going to be completely supplied. Not necessarily in this world. Not necessarily, but if not in this world, in the next world. Every need that you have, every righteous one of your heart, will be supplied. That's why Jesus said when you pray, believe, and it will be answered. You'll get what you ask for. And when I think about this, I I get excited. (laughs) There isn't anything else like it. That's why, friends, that all true wise men, you know, you notice this from the beginning of time, have chosen to be a part of the Lord's army. And if you choose to join, you'll have these fellow soldiers as your close personal friends forever. I've chosen to join, and I'm going to meet these people one day. Now let me ask you a question. Do you want to join? People who may be hearing my voice. Do you want to join? If you're still making up your mind, let me quote to you the words found in Joshua 24, verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now, that's an interesting statement. He says, if it seems evil to you, What's he talking about here? Well, I'll tell you, get out a pencil and paper. Get out a pencil and paper. Draw a line down the center of that paper. Get rational for a few moments. You know, the Lord said in Isaiah 1.18, He said, Come now, let us reason together. So, get rational. Be reasonable. Take that paper and put down what all the advantages are and what all the disadvantages are of serving the Lord. Write them all down. Put down what all the advantages are and what all the disadvantages are of serving the devil. Look at those and make up your mind. God's saying, choose. Don't do it from emotion. Be rational about it. That's why God says, taste and see. That's why the psalmist said that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And let me tell you, you don't have forever to make up your mind. What is it that Josh said? Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Joshua. I didn't say Josh, I said Joshua. If there's something wrong in your sight about serving the Lord, well, make up your mind. And I hope you have a good life here because that's where it'll end. If you don't make a decision, you've heard me say this before, you've, you've made a decision. That's why people say yellow. Don't let your life pass you by. Well, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. And exactly, without the Lord, tomorrow you will die. You know, the end time prophet said that many would be lost while hoping and desiring to be saved because they do not now choose to be Christians. They don't choose to join the Lord's army. 
They want to join. Have you run into people like this? They want to join. And if you talk to them, they'll say, yeah, I want to. They might even say, oh, I plan to. But they never do. I've seen that happen so many times. Don't let that... Yeah, don't let that happen to you. It's been my experience that there aren't very many deathbed conversions. There just isn't. I guess what I'm saying is don't dial while you're hoping and desiring to be saved. <laughs> the Bible says choose. And I say this reverently, but even God will never choose for you. It's all up to you. It's your choice. Choosing is something you have to do. You see, because God gave to you as a free moral agent the power of choice. You can choose which side you want to be on. And you know something else? If you choose not to be on the Lord's side, God will honor your choice. And if you're the greatest sinner in this world, and if you choose to follow the Lord and make that choice known, the Lord will not only hear, but He's going to be working immediately in your behalf. Because you've joined His army. But there's a lot of people that have never decided to join the army. The army of the Lord. They're just, they're lackadaisical. They are spectator Christians, I guess you could call them. And spectator Christians will never be a part of the victory. So if you want to be a part of the victory, you're going to have to become a soldier. You're going to actually have to get in the fight. And let me tell you something, when you join the Lord's army, the devil's going to fight you. (laughs) You're not going to be a clerk sitting in the sidelines. You're going to be in combat. No matter where you are. Because you're in the Lord's army. Yeah, but there's preachers out there that preach that if you become a Christian, you'll have no more problems. Exactly. That's a lie from the <laughs> devil. <laughs> but the promise is, the promise is, if you join the Lord's army and get in the fight... You're going to win. That's the promise. So what's holding you back? You know? The Lord has an army and He's asking you, each one of you, to join it. It has a purpose. It doesn't just meet for drills, though it does do that. It doesn't just get together every once in a while for fellowship, though it does do that. The Lord's army has a purpose. And we're going to be studying about the purpose of the Lord's army or our purpose as soldiers for Christ in the next few weeks. But as soldiers in His army, we're going to be on the march, aren't we? We're going to be on the march against the rulers of darkness. We are on the march with this promise from the great commander found in Matthew 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Every time Satan comes up against the Lord's army, he loses. And not only does he lose, he loses miserably. But yet he's got people deceived in thinking they win when they lose. 
That's the deception. But friends, God is calling you to be a soldier for Christ. Will you choose to serve? Will you choose to serve Jesus? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much again for this holy Sabbath day. We thank you that we have been given a choice. And Father, as we look at what your word says there in Isaiah, the reason together with you, though there may be those who are struggling. They're struggling with the, the choice to join your army or not. And I pray that you be very near to them and surround them. Help them to reason it out righteously. Let them taste and see that you are good. And Father, I pray for those of us who have made the choice to be in your army, that you continue to build us up, to strengthen us, and to help us in this fight. We're organized for service, and our mission is to spread the gospel and the three angels' messages. Father, I pray for the help of angels and the Holy Spirit to do just that, so that we may hasten the return of our Lord and Savior, our Commander, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. And please continue to be with us throughout this Sabbath day and in the coming week. May we witness to at least one person about Jesus. I pray in His name.